0: Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hugan, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoicy.com. All right, welcome to the Gospel for Life. We're so glad that you are joining us this morning. We're continue, continuing to go through the book of Psalms, and we... Don't have everybody in the studio with us today. Uh, Pastor Phil from Christ Prez is not here, but we do have Jonathan. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good. And we have Russ. How you doing, brother?
1: Very good. Good to be here again. Yeah, fun stuff.
0: So you guys, uh, how did you guys survive without me last time?
1: (laughs) Well, to be, let's have confessional time. (laughs) Um, A good portion of the time we took pot shots at you for... um, taking off to fix your fins. (laughs)
0: Awesome. That's good. I'm glad. I actually got it done. So praise the Lord. Between the rainstorms. All right. So um, what we're kind of landing here this morning at, at Psalm 119, and it's a very, very unique Psalm. So maybe one of you guys can give us, you know, kind of a why is Psalm 119 so unique compared to perhaps just the other 149 Psalms?
2: Well, uh, you know, if you've actually opened up your Bible, you look at Psalm 119, oftentimes you'll notice that there are Hebrew letters over sections of the psalm. Actually, this is a a wonderful acrostic psalm um, based off of, the like, for instance, each of these is eight stanzas, you might say, eight lines um, identified with a Hebrew letter, and each of those lines begins with that same letter. So, It'd be like an A to Z sort of psalm. So, you know, the Hebrew, Beit, Gimel, Dalit, you each of those Hebrew letters, the each line began with a word of that Hebrew letter. It was it was done that way. Why? It was a memory device. Yes. It was a memory device. And this is a you know this particular psalm uh, sets up the word of God as being uh, you know something that should be treasured in our heart. But it also appears to be a psalm that was written during the exile, uh, when there was no temple, where there was no worship. And maybe there's an identification here we can have because of the COVID-19 that has kept many, many, many uh, churches from meeting for a long period of time. You don't have the uh, regular liturgical formalities and the gathering of one another uh, weekly. So this psalm was written to bring people to the Word, in song and in memory, and to you know, hide it down in deep in their heart.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's really quite a an amazing literary um, skill. Um, they've tried to translate this into the English using um, that pattern to try to get every verse to start with like each letter of the alphabet, and it's almost near impossible to do and and keep its meaning. And if somebody tried to write one um, use, using the same pattern, so using all 26 of our letters of the alphabet and starting each of eight verses with that same letter, what they would find is that they would be at this for a long, long time and I don't think come close mm-hmm. to yeah. the the beauty and depths that you have in Psalm 119. So yeah. it's quite a literary um, device. It's quite a literary masterpiece in addition to its, its theological richness.
0: Well, it's 176 verses, so it's the longest chapter in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And the main theme that unifies the whole is the Word of God. And so you're going to have several key words that indicate it's talking about the Word. So to use the word statutes or commandments or rules.
2: Law. law. Testimony.
0: Exactly.
2: Precept. It's, you know, there's a, there's about eight different uh, synonyms that are used um, apparently throughout this psalm for the same thing. And 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 actually, when it's talking about the law of God, it could be talking about the first five books of Moses. It could be talking about a single commandment, um, all of it related to the word of God itself. But it could include the whole word of God or perhaps a, a section – yeah. So it's not it's not just identifying – it doesn't use those words the same every time.
0: Right, and and some people get the impression that as you read it – because there's only like three verses, three or four verses in the whole psalm that doesn't mention the, mm-hmm. the Word of God. And so some people have kind of concluded, well, this is a very repetitive psalm. Once you read like the first eight verses, you pretty much get the gist of it. But I would disagree with that. Um, I think if you look at common – Commentaries like the one that Charles Spurgeon did or uh, Charles Bridges have done is, is what they're saying is that each section actually represents a different season of the life of the Christian. So you mentioned, Jonathan, uh, it's kind of the A to Z alphabet, right? Well, I would just add to that and say it's the A to Z alphabet of the Christian life. So, yeah. so each section shows um, a different theme or season of the Christian life. In other words, Psalm 119 shows you the real you. Uh, it, it actually kind of, it, it both identifies and it, it, it prophesies about what the Christian life looks like. And so it, it shows you when the Christian is like on the heights of ecstasy, but it also shows you how the, the psalmist is or the Christian is in utter despair in several places. I mean, you'll see him confessing things and you're like, that's how I feel.
2: We, we love it because Josh actually uh, finished up a series of sermons on Psalm 119. I've never preached through Psalm 119, um, We've all read it at different times, but uh, you come with a, a sense of going through this expositionally. Yeah. How long did it take you to go through the Psalms? Well, I took I took one section per s.O, it was, I did, and I did an introduction sermons. So I did twenty three sermons.
1: Yeah, but I, I think I, go ahead, Chris. I was just going to tell a, a, a <laughs> senseless story. Okay, please do. <laughs> so, pre seminary days, I was filling in at different pul- pulpits, and I was going to preach on Psalm one nineteen. And when I sent in my text for the night, I just said, Psalm 119, selected verses. I thought that would be easier than trying to list them all. And it happened to be that I had messed up the time of the service. I thought the service started at 6.30 at night. It started at 6 at night. So I was always early. So I pull into the parking lot at like 6.10, 6.15, and all these cars are there. Well, normally I pull into the parking lot and there's no one there. And so I knew something was wrong. So I come into the church and... Um, The church service had already started. They had done all the opening songs. They've gotten to the scripture reading part. Well, they don't know what I'm preaching on, just that I'm preaching on selected verses of Psalm 119. And I come into an elder up front slowly reading all of Psalm 119. (laughs) Well, there's your sermon right there. And I appear in the aisle coming up to the front, and he said, I have never been so glad to see someone in my life.
2: (laughs) That is awesome.
1: That's the only time I've preached well, on Psalm 119.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he could have probably slowly read through all of it and completed on the, on the hour. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, one of the things that we were talking about before the broadcast today is that one of the, the teachers that we really enjoy here, his name is Joel Beaky. he came to our Reformation Conference here in 2017. And uh, he's very big into what's called experimental Christianity or experiential Christianity. And essentially, it's just the idea that um, we are, we're meant to be Christians in our head and in our hearts and in our hands. Uh, we're not meant to be Christians just in our minds, right. but it's meant to be experienced in every part of our life. And he gives this great analogy about war. And I'm sure you're very familiar with it, Russ, because you actually studied under Mr. Beeky, where in a war, uh, there's the ideal, and then there's the actual, and then there's the end goal. So the ideal is you, you strategize about how the war is going to go, and you have all these plans, but then how it actually goes is not quite what you planned on. You have to make adjustments and you have to uh, have compromises, but then there's the end goal, which is winning the war. And that's how the Christian life actually is. If you look at the book of Romans, right? Romans six gives us the ideal, put to death those members of unrighteousness and live to God, be a slave to righteousness. That's the mm-hmm. ideal. Romans seven, there's the actual, the real, uh, Oh, wretched man that I am, who has (laughs) saved me from this body of death. And then Romans 8 is the end goal. Um, Who shall separate me from the love of God? And that's how Psalm 119 is. It gives a picture of the ideal Uh, Oftentimes the psalmist is talking about how I'm going to keep your word. I'm going to obey you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to um, be righteous in my walking. And then there's the actual, especially in verses 25 and following, he talks about how his soul clings to the dust and he, he's a sinner. And then, there, and then it, he talks about the end goal, how uh, at the end of days, he's going to be walking with God, and, and he's going to see his face, and joy is going to be his inheritance. And so, very good overall picture of the Christian life.
1: Well, I think and that's helpful to look at, because otherwise you begin reading Psalm 119, and just to take one example, you, in verse 72 it says, The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of pieces of gold and silver. Well, Is that true for most of us all of the time? Right. I mean, and you begin to read things like that, and you go, well, that's not me. And then you can begin to go down the next path and say, well, I must not be a Christian because I don't feel that way about God's word. I don't feel that way about um, the Christian life. Therefore, um, I must not be a a child of God. Right. Um, And that's, to me, the difficulty of sometimes being in – the Psalms, especially Psalm one nineteen, because it feels like it's it's beyond us. It feels like it's it's something that we don't live up to, and it can be a sense of discouragement. And I think the framework that Josh was giving earlier is very helpful. That no, this is this is really, if we were perfectly living out our union with Christ, this is where we would be. Yeah, but I think Scripture says throughout that doesn't happen as often as what we would want it to be. Yeah, That doesn't mean that we don't have these aspirations. It doesn't mean that we don't have this longing. Yeah, um, But I'm just suggesting that it's probably not healthy to beat yourself up when you're not exactly where the psalmist is.
0: Well, and as we saw, I, that's a good word, brother. As we saw already when we started looking at the Psalms in the beginning, Luke 24 says, Jesus, is speaking, and he says, listen, everything in the Psalms and the law and the prophets speak about me. And Psalm 119 is no different. Jonathan, you had mentioned that this psalm was meant to be memorized. So imagine you're a Hebrew boy or a, a girl and you memorize Psalm 119 and you are brought into this relationship <laughs> where the word is the most important, as we've already said, law, commandment, statutes, etc. It was pressed upon your heart so that no matter what horrible circumstances you're in, like the exile, uh, you find yourself running to the word, resting in the word and trusting in the word. And then right about the, the time that Jesus came, you, you hear these reports about this living Word, this, this man who claims to be the Word. It, in fact, John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it hits you that Psalm 119 is actually talking about the living Word of God, ultimately, Jesus Christ. I mean, that's not at all a, a, a stretched interpretation of Psalm 119. Well,
2: well and then he would be the, the one that truly fulfilled that Word, saying, I've hidden thy word in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. That would be he would be the only one who's accomplished that, the, and being the sinless man. Yeah. Uh, so uh, ultimately, it points to him. While the psalmist can speak of the ideal, yeah, he's the one that had the You know, using your analogy of the ideal and the war and the, war and the goal, yeah. he's the one that actually. It all went according to the plan. Yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> well, just read the first two verses and you know that it, it's not us it's talking about. It says, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, mm-hmm. who's walk in the, who walk in the way, law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, we're all out. <laughs> yeah. But Jesus Christ is it. Yeah.
0: No. Yeah. And because of our union with Christ, yes we can actually with full confidence say that's me Mm -hmm. not because my way was righteous but because Mm -hmm. christ's way was righteous absolutely well you've been listening to the gospel for life we're going to continue to look at uh, the book of psalms in the next few broadcasts if you've missed any of these broadcasts please just go subscribe to the gospel for life and we hope to see you
2: next time